We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. My, how busy all my elves are getting ready for the big holiday. I hope you're all ready. Before you know it, I'll be making that all-night journey around the world to bring toys and fun to all the boys and girls and everybody who's been nice. Christmas week is here, ladies and gentlemen. Fachi and me are doing our annual Pacers Christmas wish list today. Fachi, what's going on, my brother? Ho, 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 everyone. It's Santa Fach. We are here <laughs> oh, with... Oh, yeah. That's right. The holiday season is upon us. Santa Fach. <laughs> exactly. I'm excited. And Alex, we thought it was only right we put together a little bit of a wish list because you know what? I, I want to wake up and, and see if any of this is under the tree. So we might as well put it out into the atmosphere, you know, with about a week to go before Christmas. Yeah, and and if, you know, we're expecting any type of trades, then I think Kevin Pritchard's going to have to put his phone down and quit watching soccer and start making some phone calls because he was tweeting about the World Cup today as uh, Argentina pulled out the victory over France in a very tight contested uh, soccer football game. I have not watched any of it, Fachi. I will be this honest with you. This was the first time I watched, so I am not a soccer guy. But I was like, okay, you know what? I got nothing else going on before the NFL games start, before we podcast. Let me tune in. And it's going to be hard to watch another soccer game because nothing's going to live up to the one that we just saw. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really was quite the game. Argentina pulling it off after you know uh, two extra periods of 15 minutes. Plus the original extra eight minutes, it goes into penalty kick or shootout, and they end up winning. It, it was it was awesome, but we do have some fun stuff to talk about today. 
Absolutely. So we want to give you guys just a little like heads up here. It is 1.35 p.m. Sunday afternoon. The Pacers host the New York Knicks at home around 5 today. So obviously can't talk about the game because we'll be recording before it. And we thought maybe we could talk about the Cavs game, but that might be kind of irrelevant after the Knicks game. So what we're going to do today is our Christmas wish list. And then on Tuesday, we'll recap the game against Cleveland and New York and kind of give our thoughts on that. But with that being said, Fachi, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We each have three things on our list, so give me the first one you want to share today. All right, number three on my list, make a better effort on the glass. Rebounding-wise, this Pacers team has been flat-out atrocious. It's actually been what's doomed us in many games outside of, you know, getting a late start. But think about this. Here's crunching some numbers for you. We're just under 42 rebounds per game. That ranks 26th in the NBA. We've made a couple people look historic. Zubox come to mind with just 29 rebounds or letting 29 offensive rebounds up to the Nets in just one game. Opponents grab the fifth most rebounds against the Pacers. And in terms of our differential, it's actually the second worst in the NBA, nearly getting out rebounded by four per game, which actually doesn't really do justice to what some of these games have been. These Pacers have gotten out rebounded by upwards of 20 in numerous games. Then Alex, I crunched, I went deep. Deep, okay. I'm talking about. I went back to eight seasons. Oh, wow. Over the last eight seasons, the Pacers have not ranked any better than 22nd in team rebounding. That is a big problem. I wonder why they've been so bad as a team over the last eight years. That's kind of crazy. It is. When was the last time? So that would have been 2014? So all the way back to the 2015-2016 okay. season, Pacers were a top 10 rebounding team. That year. And then after that, I mean, you're talking about 22nd has been the best in that span. And that is, uh, yeah, that's not going to cut it in, in any season to be getting a pat on the back. Did, did you go back eight years because that's when Miles Turner was drafted? No, I just kept going and going until I finally saw something that was halfway decent. It took it took eight years of going back before it was respectable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does kind of make some sense because they have had some different lineups and the game of basketball has changed a lot too since that era eight years ago. But yeah, I mean, they got to get better rebounders. I mean, we we probably both agree that arguably the best rebounder on the team is not even in the rotation right now in Terry Taylor. So it's it's tough. I mean, I think Turner had some nice blockouts in the last game against Cleveland. I'm sure you saw those as well. Mm -hmm. uh, some pivotal ones. Now, it's not a consistent thing that we see all the time, but I would say that it's a team thing, not a individual thing. And I think that some people can kind of make it that, oh, you know, only had two rebounds for the big man or, you know, whatever. It's like Jalen Smith. He's got to be better on the glass. Isaiah Jackson, he's got to be better on the glass. But then your guards can be better. I felt like Benedict Matherin of, of late has been a pretty good rebounder. Yes. So that that's a good thing. That's a good sign. He's aggressively going after the ball, but we got to see it from more than just Benedict. So it's got to be contagious. Mm -hmm. It's got to be that everybody's buying in because one guy can't make us a really good rebounding team. You saw the last couple of years, Sabonis might've been averaging about 12 rebounds per game, but the team was not good rebounding. So it takes far more than just one person to be a good rebounding team. Yeah, for sure. It's a collective thing here. So I will get into my first thing here, Fachi. And, you know, we know that trade season has officially started once uh, December 15th arrives. So for me, I just said find a trade to make sense of the backcourt rotation. There's just too many players and not enough minutes. So we're going to have Chris Duarte back, right? That's going to be a big thing. He's potentially questionable for today's game against the Knicks. We'll know more about that. We know he's been playing in the G League. So 
you know, that's interesting. But you got Chris Duarte. He's going to come back to the rotation. Obviously, Halliburton, Nimhard, Buddy Hill are your starters. Mather and TJ McConnell. Aaron Neesmith has been playing some of the four. He started some. He's playing in the backup rotation. Um, so you're looking at like six to seven guys here, Fachi, for two positions, really potentially three. And it's just there is such a logjam there. And I'm, I'm not sure if I'm missing anybody, but tell me if I am. But it just feels like there's such a logjam there that the Pacers could benefit from maybe cleaning that up, maybe turning a guard or two into a, a forward, which I think they need more than anything. No doubt about it, Beast. The guys that you named, it's not like we're saying like, well, Kendall Brown needs more playing time. It's no, it's like we have so many guards that are now getting like 10 minutes or more, or or when you bring in Duarte, that's when it's really going to be an issue because – who's going to be out of the rotation? Who's going to not get enough minutes to be able to properly produce? It is a problem. We knew it was going to be a problem coming into the season. And there's still just that tinkering to try and find out, okay, what are we going to do? Because you look at Buddy is still getting those 32 minutes per game that we thought maybe coming into the year. Okay, we'll probably see a dip in that, but we haven't. So this is something that needs to be figured out. And I feel like via trade is the best way to figure it out. So I'm right with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, I've heard different opinions uh, about what the Pacers should do with this rotation, and I think Aaron Neesmith has played really well Yeah, over the last five games. Now, is it sustainable? I, we'll see, right? But he's shooting the ball well. He's been one of their better defenders this year. It's like, okay, you know, we were, we were both kind of giving up on him. <laughs> I, I mean, it was pretty obvious why we should have. He wasn't hitting any shots. And then all of a sudden, he's caught fire. And you know how I made that joke about the pinball? Of course. And how he was like, it looks like he shoots like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like recently it doesn't look like he's shooting as hard. So maybe maybe we have an undercover listener setting the pace. I mean, I'm, I'm joking here, obviously. But it just seems like he's not shooting it nearly as hard. And like a lot of his shots have seemed like they got a softer touch to it. So maybe that's something he's worked on. Maybe he realized it as well. Like he's just kind of shooting out of control. But, you know, I mean, it's just tough. I've seen a lot of people recently criticizing TJ McConnell every chance they can get. Yep. And it's easy to do that when you really start to like somebody like Andrew Nimhart, who's played really well at the other guard position. But I don't think TJ has been nearly as bad as I feel like people on Twitter are making him out to be. No, they're making it out to be that like he's like bringing the Pacers down or just this like ancient guy that, oh, we don't need him anymore. It's look, his role has been solidly reduced. He's playing eight to 10 minutes less than years past. He doesn't have the ball in his hand as much. Yes, he's never going to be, nor was he ever expected to be a good three-point shooter. But I guarantee you there is so much that guys like Nemhard and Mather and Halliburton have learned from him that is never going to show up in a box score. And you need that, especially when you have a young team. You need a veteran guard. Look, James Johnson can be a veteran on a team, but he can't be that you know veteran point guard that can rub off on a on a you know a Halliburton or Nemhard. So I think that he has been vital in that instance. But look, we don't all see him here long, long term. No, and I mean I mean there's different examples you can see. Like if you just watch a game, like how many inbounds passes does he steal, lob passes that he's thrown up. He had a great lob pass to Isaiah Jackson against the Cavs. I mean, just different little things that I've seen from him. Like, okay, he's not really playing as bad as people think. Yeah. He's he's got limitations to his game, and there's no doubt about that, but he's always had those same limitations. It's not like this is some new surprise. He's always been this player that has limitations to his game, but he's really smart. He's a connective guy, and he's not a selfish guy. So that's why I'm saying they just got too many pieces here at the guard position. 
Don't know who they need to trade or what they need to do, but I think they have to figure that out, clean it up, and just find the the right, you know, consolidate the roster a little bit in terms of like what they have. A lot of bigs, a lot of guards. We need some wings. Maybe two of those guards can turn into a wing that you really need. One could only hope. But moving on to number two on my list, I have figure out the Miles Turner situation. Look, the Patriots have an absolute massive decision on their hands because Turner is in the midst of a career year. He's been the solo big with Tyrese Halliburton. Everything that added up to what we felt could be a career year. And he's having it right now. But here's the thing, Alex. He switched agents. And his name has been dragged in trade discussions for years. So there's no doubt in my mind that he will, at minimum, test free agency. I just don't see an early extension coming. And from where the Pacers are at in regards to their rebuild, retool, however you want to put it, they cannot let this drag into the unknown of free agency. Because if they don't have any type of insurance that an extension can be worked out, I'm sorry, but you got to get ahead of it and trade him because this is such a pivotal point for the franchise that this is an opportunity for the Pacers to really stockpile assets to an extent that we haven't seen before. We're talking about three first-round picks already coming our way, assuming Cleveland and Boston don't do anything crazy, but also potentially the most cap space in the league where the stars are aligning for the Pacers to potentially be able to make a move similar to what the Cavs did getting Donovan Mitchell, and look how that worked out for the Cavs this year. Yeah, no, I'm going to I'm gonna get to that here in a little bit, Fauci, uh, kind of going back into that conversation. But, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with this whole Miles Turner thing. It's like one day I feel like he's the perfect fit for this team. They right. got to find the, the right extension for him, right price, right extension. Then there's other times I feel like, just just move on. It's just it's just time. And I've and you. I've heard so many different people talk about this, right? Where I'm probably more on the fence of let's let's extend him at the right price because it's gonna be hard to find a center that can do what he does and fits so well with this team with what he does well. Shooting threes, protecting the rim. He's not a good screener, which we know that. Not a good rebounder, which you talked about. Mm-hmm. He's okay, right? Like yeah. it's he's not like terrible, but he's not good at it. It's just he's more worried about blocking shots than he is securing big rebounds. But he's been better, I would say, uh, in terms of being effective on the glass. But he's had some really bad games this year, where he's also had some really like great games. So I, I just feel like there's such an unknown with him. It, it makes sense to go either direction. And I'm leaning more towards he does make sense. What are you going to find from that makes some, you know, that's a good trade. But like you said, you cannot afford to walk away from, you know, uh, the season without moving him if he doesn't re-sign that extension. So if it's trade deadline and, and, and he hasn't even given you any indication that he's going to re-sign, no brainer. You got to trade him. You got to stay, you got to stay strong in that stance no matter how good this team is at that point, no matter where they are, because at the end of the day, even if Miles tells even if Miles tells you that he's going to resign, you can't trust anybody until they put pen to paper. Like that's just how it goes. It's like you wouldn't expect anybody to trust the front office if they said something like that. But something else came up that was a better opportunity for them. They're gonna do what's best for them, and that's what Miles is gonna do. So right now, I think the the, the pairing with him and Halliburton and this front. You know, this uh, front court, I guess it's been kind of iffy with who fits best with him at the four, but they need to address that situation, obviously. But uh, I just think Miles has been good enough to extend. But at the same time, you can't let this drag on 
for the rest of the season. You have to make that decision relatively soon because I think his value uh, is probably at a good spot right now. You just hope that he doesn't get injured. No, it's it's true. You got about two months roughly, but in terms of the injury, that that's worried me, you, Pacer fans, Miles, everybody for the last couple of years because when you dip into the second half of the year, he actually hasn't been playing the second half of the year in the last two seasons. So that's really where the Pacers need to do things to monitor this situation, whether it's giving him a game off every now and then, not risking anything because there's a big decision on whether it's $100 million on a contract or whether it's, hey, we're going to look to trade him, but he won't have a market if he's not healthy. So it's a very thin line to tiptoe. Very curious to see what the Pacers do, but I, I imagine they would play it safe and you know cover their behinds if it doesn't seem that Turner's going to sign an extension before the season, you know, before uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, let's just be honest. Like the front office is no, they're no dummies, right? They yeah. know exactly what they're doing. Us saying this is not like criticizing the front office. Like, no, yeah. they're going to make the right decision for them for the team and, and for the future of this team, and they know what they're doing. We're just saying like. Man, it's got to happen sooner rather than later because there is risk involved with potentially getting hurt again. But Turner seems to be in good shape, seems to be playing well, doesn't seem to have any problems. He had the ankle injury at the very beginning of the season. And since then, we really haven't seen any other injuries. So that is good news knocking on wood here, Fachi. Now, I want to move over to my number two here for my Christmas wish list, and that is find a wing in the draft if they don't get the first overall pick. And I get it right now. We are in the eighth seed, if I'm not mistaken, for the Pacers, right? Yep. Everyone's like, well, they could be a playing team. Look how look how bad the Bulls are. And, you know, they're at 11. There's no way the Pacers fall. Now, let me just tell you this. Observing the standings in the East, the Pacers have the fourth toughest schedule remaining, while the Bulls have the fifth easiest schedule remaining. They're only three games apart between Chicago and Indiana, where we have a three-game lead on them record-wise. But our schedule is so much more tougher, while theirs is getting easier. So, look. We know that the Bulls team, who knows what's going to happen. They could blow it up. They could go the other direction. I'm not saying they aren't going to do that or haven't considered it. But I will say this. The Pacers have just won three games in their last 10, Fachi. Mm -hmm. They've not been playing great basketball. So to me, it does feel like they're going to likely be in the lottery at the end of the season. Even if they make the play-in game, they could still potentially be in the lottery. And we know, I think last year the Spurs made the lottery, but – there were so many more teams in the East that had better records that also made the lottery that the Spurs, like, even though they made the play-in game, they were still like the ninth seed overall. It's not like they jumped any either. So, and in the, in the, in the practice run of the draft lottery, the Spurs actually did land the, the first overall pick. So I think the Pacers can get in that like seven to 10 range. Like, yeah, maybe they get lucky and they, they jump up into one of the top spots, maybe the top spot overall or a top three spot, but you know, they got to find a wing in the draft. I think that's the most important thing. And unless they get lucky and get number one and get Victor, they've got to find just a, a six foot seven to six foot nine power forward, small forward type of player that can be kind of a do it all type of guy because they really need to address that in the draft. I think no more guards, no more centers. It's time to get a wing. Please, no more guards, no more. And the centers, I mean, it, it's over. The, we were good on centers a couple of years ago. We're <laughs> we're we're overloaded. So, yeah. um, when I'm looking at the schedule right now, it's tough coming up. New York, Boston, Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta, Cleveland, and the Clippers. That's a tough stretch. Where I do think we're going to see the Pacers slide a bit. 
And look, let's be honest. If you're looking for that true wing that you're talking about, you ain't going to get it at Cleveland or Boston's pick. So it comes down to ours. And man, you just don't find those guys late in the draft. It's very rare. It's very rare. Every now and then it happens. But I'm with you because that's what the Pacers have needed ever since they, they gave up Paul George. I felt like that is that is what they've been looking for, what they have not been able to come up with. And it's one of the hardest things to find in basketball. But that kind of leads me into number one on my Pacers wish list. Well, you're talking about a true wing. You, you mentioned getting one through the draft. I'm talking about getting one through a trade. OG Ananobi, I feel like right now, the 6'7 true wing and the and the Pacers, it's it's been a fit that Pacer fans have wanted for years. A match made in heaven ever since he went to IU. We have the assets to get him. When I talk about a true two-way, two-way wing, this man leads the league in steals at 2.4, but he's also giving you 19 points per game, six rebounds. He shoots nearly 48% from the field. He's a career 37% three-point shooter. Oh, yeah, he's only 25 years old. He should have been a Pacer all along when the Pacers passed on him for TJ Leaf. I'm sorry I had to bring that name up again. <laughs> but this is – look at this. I, I went through his stats, and I want to see, is this guy getting better or is it just a big name? This is his sixth season. And every single year that he has been in the league, he has raised his scoring average, his rebound average, his steal average, his free throw attempts, and shot attempts. This man continuously gets better, and he's also signed through the next two years at between 17 to $18 million per year with a player option for just about $20 million in 2024-2025. The contract's perfect. His age fits this team and the need that we have, he absolutely fulfills. Man, it's going to be, it's way easier said than done, but that's number one on my wish list. Interesting, Fachi, because I, I really like OG Anobi. Um, I, I think we're both on the same terms here of like getting a wing that makes sense, right? Finding the right wing. Now, let me ask you this. He played just 48 games last year and 43 the year before that. Are you at all concerned about the injuries with OG? I mean, it's obviously something that's there, but, it, you know, sometimes beggars can't be choosers. And in this situation, it's really hard to get a guy that could fit the needs of what we currently have. So that's kind of the risk here. And sometimes you got to take a risk. Yeah. And I, I, the Pacers front <laughs> office has taken a couple of risks before. Right. And I, and I want to say this, too, because Toronto is a team that has not lived up to expectations this season. Right. They're mm -hmm. a team that feels like they could make a trade. They got a ton of wings. Right. This is where I'm wondering, are the Toronto Raptors interested in giving up one of their wings for Miles Turner? Now, I think Miles Turner played his best defensive season with Nate Bjorkren, when Nate Bjorkren was the coach here for the Indiana Pacers. And Nate Bjorkren is still on staff with the Toronto Raptors because him and Nick Nurse are like best friends. So they run a lot of the same schemes. And I'm curious, would the Raptors have their eyes on a center like Miles Turner to pair with Pascal Siakam, because I think Pascal is a guy that you cannot trade for to Indiana. Yeah. So you got Pascal, you got Miles, you've got Scotty Barnes, you got Fred Van Vliet, you got Gary Trent Jr. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty solid team. Now, I think they would probably want to get Miles on a Gary Trent Jr. trade package and not give a Boji and an Obi because of oh, how bet. important he's been. But the Pacers, you know, they have to stand strong with this. And that they have to say, well, we want this guy, kind of like what they did with Halliburton, you know. We want Halliburton. We don't we don't want Davion Mitchell. We we don't want uh De'Aaron Fox. We want Tyrese Halliburton. So 
you got to go out there and be aggressive and maybe you have to give up something else with a miles turner maybe you have to throw in a chris duarte into the trade which i know it sounds crazy for a lot of fans but if it got you og and Anobi and you think he's the right fit for the team moving forward you got to think about that because like i said earlier in mine we have a log jam at that at that guard rotation and the team's been okay without duarte i think he would help them but if you add OG Ananobi into the mix, it's really going to make a difference defensively for the wings. And yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I love the idea of going after OG. I think there's some other names out there, Fachi, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. And one that could be much cheaper to go after. And it could depend on where the Pacers are at because the Pacers are trying to make a playoff push here. I'm curious if they would kind of like make a small move to bring in a guy that could help them. Now, this guy's on an expiring contract as well. And he's uh, in your former backyard, Washington, Kyle Kuzma. He's a name that's been brought up recently. I'm just curious, do you think Kyle Kuzma could be someone that go after for a cheaper price if OG Ananobi is not available? The, the thing is, I I don't think Kyle Kuzma would re-sign here. I don't. Right. I, I already know that it seems like he wants to go back to the Lakers. We're hearing the Lakers want him. Whatever it is, I think Kuzma has a different perception of himself. I don't know if he thinks he's a star player or not. Very good player, and I would have been interested if he wasn't expiring. Mm -hmm. But I I do think that we run the risk of losing him compared to OG, who has at least two guaranteed years on his contract before a player option. Right, and I'm not saying that I'd prioritize him over OG. It's just like— He would obviously be cheaper. Yeah, cheaper and OG is off the table. Like the Raptors are like, no, we're not trading OG. It's like, okay, do we pivot? Do we go for somebody that's a little bit, you know, less expensive? Someone that can help us win this season. Even if it doesn't stay, maybe uh, you make a trade. We have to really give up much because you have the cap space to take them on. So it it could be something very similar to that. Who knows what the the Wizards want to do because the Wizards are kind of stuck in this situation where they could be buyers and or sellers depending on which direction they want to go. But Bradley Beal, I mean, that contract's egregious. He's hurt. They're in trouble. I don't like the direction they're going. So I'm always looking at teams like that to pry players off of and take advantage of them. That's what Kevin Pritchard does a really good job of. But anyway, I'll get to my number one here, Fachi, as we wrap this up. I said a go-to guy who can close games. Now, you recently talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers going after Donovan Mitchell. The Pacers... I don't know if they have the go-to guy to close games out on their team. Now, I would like to see that potentially be Tyrese or Benedict, but we haven't really got a chance to see that yet. They did put Benedict back into the game against Cleveland, and he had a he had a couple of different shots there that he could have, you know, helped put the game away or, or you know keep the game afloat, but he missed them. But it's like that's not really been what they've been asking him to do, Tyrese. I just don't necessarily see it all the way with him yet as being like a go-to scorer. Good player, but not like a go-to score type of guy. Because you saw Donovan Mitchell, what he did against the Pacers on Friday. You oh, saw yeah. Jimmy Butler close out a game against the Pacers mm-hmm. Monday. There's different guys. You, you look at the Mavericks, you think of, okay, obviously look at Donovan. It's like every team that's really been in a deep competitive playoff series, they've got that go-to guy. And the Pacers just kind of lack that. And that's why I'm like, looking at this team while they're in the playoff hunt, they're still a couple of moves away from really being a contender. And that's why I don't want them to get sucked up into, you know, being a fringe playoff team instead of getting themselves more talent to get to that point. But that that's where I want them to find that go-to guy. It could be internally on the roster, but it could be trading for somebody. 
And like you said, that Donovan Mitchell trade for Cleveland was huge. They gave up some good assets. The Pacers have a lot of young assets. They got draft picks. They got cap room. I think they are positioning themselves very well to be able to make a potential trade like that to go out and find their go-to guy to pair with these guys. And that's what I think is the most important thing to the team is just they need that dog. They need that A-level player. And if it's not Matherin, if it's not Halliburton, can they go out and trade for it? Spot on, because we don't know who it is yet. We've seen Nemhard hit a game winner against the Lakers, which was awesome. We saw him attempt another game-tying shot against the Nets. We've seen Miles Turner attempt a few game winners. We don't really know who is the closer. It's like a, you know, a, a closer-by-committee approach. And when does that really work out? And the Pacers have been trying to do that the last couple of years, where I remember it was like every now and then Sabonis would try and attempt a game winner, and it would kind of go horribly wrong, or it just wouldn't go in, or whatever. It just wasn't what you wanted to draw up a game-winning play for Sabonis. You know, you want that true alpha over there. And so it kind of brings me into my last point of, I want Matherin out there every single time when the game is on the line and, mm-hmm. and hopefully finishing out the games. I know you mentioned how against Cleveland, he he did have like a three-pointer with under a minute ago that would have brought it closer. And I just feel like there's been a couple of games where there's been odd distributions of his minutes where he hasn't really been in there when it mattered most. You might have brought him back in for the final minute or so, but in some of those games, like against the Heat, you know, the game was a little bit out of reach or something. So I just feel like I want to, find that guy that closer and maybe he is on our roster but he's just not ready yet and in this situation let him be the guy because maybe he can grow into the alpha closer of this team when you talked about maybe you're not 100 sold on Halliburton being that guy I'm with you because I feel like Halliburton can set up that guy just like he did on that unbelievable pass to Nemhard for the game winner against the Lakers but I, I just want to make sure that when we draft someone like Matherin and this guy could be the next, you know, cornerstone franchise guy, let's let's empower him to be that guy and let him learn through the bad until he develops into the good in those moments. So I, lo- I love your uh, number one on your list. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of in uh, we're kind of in sync here with with what we want to see from a guy like Matherin. I mean. We know that he's a scorer. He's not really a passer. That's not his game. Okay, he's looking for a shot. Nine out of ten times when he's driving to the basket. And if he doesn't have a clean look, he's not afraid to back it up and restart the offense and swing it around the other way and kind of hang out in the corner. But I would love to see him just kind of take that next step within the next have to be this year. You know, mm-hmm. it could yeah. even be next year or the year after where he just kind of like says, Okay, give me the ball, because there's been times when they've needed him to. Like just this past week against the Warriors, Fodge, you like you weren't able to come on the podcast and talk about it because you were out of town, but like what Matherin did there. Scored nine points in a row in the third quarter to keep the Pacers' lead afloat and and kept the Warriors from taking the lead all the way and going up by five or six points to go into the fourth. Like, he was super important to that game, and we've seen him do that multiple times this year. I mean, he's coming off the bench. He's accepting that role. It's just like, I'm ready for him um, to eventually just be like, okay, let's see what he can do. Game's on the line. Can we clear out? Can we run an isolation play for him? Do we think he's a smart enough playmaker? Too, if he does get double teamed, because that's one thing Paul George had to work on, right? Was when you're the go to guy, you're going to get double teamed, you're going to get a lot of defensive pressures on you. Can you do that? So maybe it is smarter to have the ball in Halliburton's hands right now just because he's a better passer and they can kind of run some different actions and maybe get Mather in a shot at the end. But 
even when Reggie was a go-to guy, we saw multiple times where Rick Smith hit game winners. So it doesn't have to be just the same guy all the time. Yeah, exactly. But having a guy that puts pressure on other defenses to know that this is who they're going to can open up other opportunities for everyone else. But yeah, I just I just always think about like Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, Luka Dodgers. I'm talking like the top 10 players in the league, obviously, but they're the go-to guys for their team and you know it. And sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, they're just able to make shots when it's tough, one-on-one, double teams, whatever. They figure out ways to get the ball in the hoop. That's what I want to see from this team. So, boom. I, I feel like our wish list is not overly unrealistic, but I think it's no. I think it's pretty fair. I, I think it is fair. Some of them are super reasonable. Things like fixing the rebounding problem. You've had eight <laughs> years. You know, it's, it's, it's one of these years I feel like we're asking for the same thing for Christmas every year and not getting it. So yeah. I'm hoping that uh, that is under the tree this year. But Alex, I had a blast, you know, doing this list with you. Like I said, it, it always hurts missing an episode, so it felt good to be back. And uh, man, we we just gotta. I'm looking forward to getting back out on Tuesday and recapping some of these previous games, especially this Knicks game that's going down tonight. Yeah, the Knicks game will be really fun. So obviously, like we said, just in case anybody forgot, recording this before the Knicks game. So. We will have that all covered for you on Tuesday. And then we got a big one Wednesday night in Boston versus the Boston Celtics. Malcolm Brogdon's first game against the Pacers since the trade. So that'll be good. I'm excited to see what Aaron Neesmith does in that game. And I'm sure Daniel Tice will be there dapping up his former teammates as well in street clothes once again. But with that being said, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Everybody, please stop what you're doing right now. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. We need more subscribers. Once we get to 1,000, we'll start adding totally new content on there. I've been trying to do an episode a week of the Blue and Golden. Those views have not been where I'd like to see them. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Let me know what you thought about our conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, coming up this week and next week and maybe the week after, I did a little fun, uh, I guess, exercise is what you'd call it. But we're going to be doing Pacer Survivor on the Blue and Golden. My, my co-host, uh David Cole for that one is a big time survivor fan. Fachi. I talked to you a little bit about it last mm-hmm. week. It's a simulator online that basically we put all the players into the, into the, uh, into the game with Kevin Pritchard, Rick Carlisle and Chad Buchanan. And we let the game and the computer simulate how it all turns out. I think you'll be surprised by the winner. The two finalists for survivor. There's not three for this one. There's actually only two and how it all plays out. But With that being said, hope you guys check that out. It's going to be a super fun podcast and a little bit of a different style of podcast for you. But with that being said, overall, Fachi, if you're hoping the Pacers close out the month of December with a winning record, then say these three words. Let's go, Pacers! Ho, ho, ho! So what would you like for Christmas this year? It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com